Come on, let's give him a great praise. Come on, let's give him a great praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you, Jesus. We give you glory and praise tonight. Come on, it feels good in this house. Let's go ahead and keep giving him great praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are not serving a defeated, emaciated, malnourished God. He's great. He's strong. He's mighty. There's never been a situation that God could not overcome it. He's never lost a battle. I think we ought to give God that kind of praise. He's the undefeated champion of eternity. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Why don't you just fist bump your neighbor and just tell him God's good. Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of James. Hallelujah. The book of James chapter 1 and verse 21. The Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. The Bible says, if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholds himself. He goes his way and forgets what manner of man he was. What manner of man he was where? In that mirror of the Word of God. And tonight I want to preach us for a few moments on this subject. The ministry of the mirror. The ministry of the mirror. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray together. Come on, let's, let's pray right now. That's why you come to Wednesday nights. You come that you might behold your face in the mirror of the Word of God. Hallelujah. I pray right now for each and every individual that's here tonight. God, that you would work both to will and to do of your good pleasure that, God, we would get an image, that we would get a reflection here tonight that comes from your word, that comes from your spirit, God, and not any other reflection, God. We're praying that your mirror would be in operation tonight and in every service from this night on, God. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and give him glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. 
Amen. The ministry of the mirror. Hopefully, every person here tonight understands the importance of a mirror. I pray that every person looked in the mirror before you came to church here tonight. Now, just keep looking ahead if you didn't. But uh, if it's, it's part of our daily life. We all spend time at the mirror before we leave the sanctity of our homes so that we can appear presentable to our world. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because some people don't. But hopefully, when you leave your home, you have stared in the mirror. Or maybe as you are driving down the road, you look in that rearview mirror and you quickly make a pit stop to fix whatever's going on right here. But uh, it's one of those things where everybody's got access to a mirror. Everybody spends time in front of a mirror. Some people a little more time than others. And, uh, and some t sometimes it's the ladies that spend a little more time in front of the mirror because they're so beautiful. And uh, if you're a man and you spend too much time in front of the mirror, we're going to talk after service and I'll help you out uh, because we don't believe. We're going to help you just uh, work on that a little bit and maybe spend a little. But I do think that there's a fine balance there that uh, we are people where whether you like it or not, you've got an image. And that image is to be a reflection of what you really intend on people seeing and what you really are. Now, there's some people that go in front of a mirror so they can make up a story. Uh, that is not really who they are, but they want everyone to see them as something. And I don't necessarily think that's all wrong. I think that there's something about uh, maybe you don't feel confident, so you dress up in a nice suit and you show up to the job interview appearing confident. But then there's the other side of the coin where you are trying to make up something that you are not. And, uh, and you try to highlight things and you try to show forth things that maybe uh, are contrary to the word of God. Amen. But, but it is that mirror that is a tool that is designed to reflect back to you and I what we really are. It is not the mirror's job to give us an opinion that is biased. It is not the mirror's job to appease us. It is not the mirror's job to make us feel good or necessarily to feel bad. It is there to assist and to encourage us that we should make the necessary changes so that we can be presentable. Mirrors have a vast history, and it is not truly known who invented the first mirror. There's many ideas out there on who did it. We, we do What we do know is that natural mirrors have always existed, such as the surface of still waters. People have been manufacturing mirrors out of a variety of materials for thousands of years. They have used stones, they have used metals, and they have used glass. In modern mirrors, metals like silver or aluminum are often used due to their high reflectivity and it is applied as a thin coating on the glass because of its naturally smooth and very hard surface. What we have got today is not what people had yesterday and, and other years prior. That mirror is something that people have been using for a very long time. 
little while ago, I came across uh, a, a, a historical fact that 44 years ago, there was a visual anthropologist that introduced mirrors to members of an isolated tribe. The Bayami living in Papua New Guinea in the plateau where neither slate or metallic surfaces existed and where the rivers are murky. And they were not able to see a clear reflection of themselves. Recording the initial reaction of adults uh, confronted for the very first time with a large mirror reflection of themselves. Carpenter reported that they were paralyzed after their first startling response. They covered their mouths. They ducked their head. They stood transfixed staring at their image only that their stomach only so that they could look at themselves. And he reported that although they tried to look confident, he could tell based on his degrees that their stomach muscles had begun to tense up and you could tell that they were stressed out. They had anxiety when they were looking at themselves. Much like the Greek myth of a man by the name of Narcissus, uh, where we get uh, the word narcissist, he stared at himself until he eventually decayed away. Much like that, these people were left numb, totally fascinated, and yet anxious by their own reflection. This mere experience made the Bayami people very uncomfortable, stressed out, and intrigued at the same time. There was a collective terror of the self-awareness that was brought to the tribe by this mirror. The question that he began to pose to himself is, why is there such anxiety associated with mirror self-experience? There seems to be an anxiety that might partially explain the abundance of negative folklores and beliefs surrounding mirrors. Why is there a tribal terror of self-awareness? After the first adult encounters with the mirrors and other reflective devices, he asked the question, why did they immediately become anxious? And why weren't they elated? Why weren't they joyful? Why wasn't there some sort of happiness in the discovery of an object that reveals oneself? He learned that, if I could put it in my own words, that it reveals something very telling about the frailty of the human psyche. There is an irrational fear that accompanies self-discovery. We spend our lives looking out at others and responding to them, mirroring them accordingly. We become the mirrors of the world that we experience through our paradigm and through our lens. But when we finally have the opportunity to stare at ourselves, to confront ourselves, to get honest feedback about ourselves, all of a sudden anxiety begins to rise up. All of a sudden we get stressed and we start getting worried and those feelings begin to rise up in ourselves. James would tell us it this way, that the Word of God is like a glass. It is like a mirror. And life 
as we learn tonight that life with a mirror can be uncomfortable. Life with a mirror can cause you to see things about yourself that you do not want to see. It is hard truths that come from the mirror. You can talk yourself up, talk yourself up, talk yourself up. But that mirror does not lie. That mirror will tell you the truth. You can think you are fine. And you can think you are great. And you can think all these different things. But when you look in the mirror, it will give you an uncomfortable and hard truth. Life without with a mirror, life with a mirror can be uncomfortable, but life without a mirror can be dangerous. Looking in the Word of God, we can get uncomfortable when it reflects back our true image. But life without the mirror of God's word can cost each and every one of us an eternity spent with God. Life without reflection of oneself, amen, according to the word of God, you can miss out, amen, on a place called heaven. You can, if you don't take the time to look at yourself through the image of God's word and let it reflect back to you some hard truths and some uncomfortable truths. Amen. You will not make the necessary corrections that you need to make and you might not make heaven your home. What did I come to preach? You need a mirror in your life. You need the word of God in your life. You got to look at it. You got to behold yourself. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. We must look into that mirror of God's word. Without a personal look into the mirror of God's word, we will settle for a second-hand report of ourselves. I came to preach to somebody here tonight. Without a look into the mirror of God's word, we will gauge ourselves positively or negatively through the perspective or the opinions of other, or maybe in our own mind, we've got a paradigm of our surrounding world, and we will look towards ourselves as the mirror. Some people look towards others, and some look towards themselves, and they start asking the question according to those, amen, am I reflecting accordingly to the world that I face every day? People will begin to ask themselves the questions, how how do I measure up? How do I measure up to this person? How do I measure up to that person? Amen. Am I too good? Am I too bad? And they'll start asking questions. Amen. This has caused a generation to determine their worth based on worthless things. They begin to see other people and somebody's got a nice car and then they look at their beater with a heater. They get on Instagram or on Facebook or another social media and they will see somebody's house. They will see somebody's car. They will see somebody's family they will see somebody's travels they will see somebody's life and then they will look at their own and with utter disappointment they will feel as if they are not reflecting properly I found myself go to the gym and look at everybody else on the machines and everybody's fit and everybody's got it together but I like to eat and my favorite machine is the snack machine come on somebody ought to praise God right there and I'll look at them and think, that is, that is what I should be, but is not what I am. 
There are people that will post on social media and then they will judge their worth by the amount of likes or the interactions. That is a worthless way to judge whether or not you are measuring up. Can I just preach it to my generation that is so missing it right now? They think that they've somehow got to portray to this lost and dying world that they've got worth. And, and if they get some reflection back, that it justifies amen, their worth. I want you to know that you are not, your worth is not based on worthless things. Your worth is not based on this world. Amen. It's not based on interactions from other people. It's not based on whether somebody liked your outfit fit or whether they liked your car or whether they like this or that about you. Amen. I want you to know that we do not judge based on what we perceive as being a good reflection. How other people feel about me or think about me whether true or falsely assumed. It does not determine my reflection. Amen. I want somebody to hear it tonight that you've got to get in the word of God and you've got to look to this book and it will tell you whether or not you're acceptable. It will tell you whether or not you're presentable. It will tell you whether or not you are lined up. And it's going to be according to his mirror. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. You got to beware and you got to watch out for secondhand reflections. You got to watch out for, oh, well, they said this and they think that. No, you got to watch out for that. You got to go back to the truth of God's word and say, show me me. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house already. Somebody's going to get liberation. This is mess with some people's mind right here. They're taking their worth from the worthless. Amen. They're looking at everything else out there externally, and they're judging what's going on with them without knowing the whole story. Amen. Can I preach to somebody? Don't judge, amen, your whole life based on somebody's highlight reel. I got a friend that he does this for a living. He makes videos and he makes different things. And what he'll do is he'll take a ton of footage and he'll edit it into a trailer for people to get married. And he'll do it for some of the churches. And you've probably seen some of them. And he'll go around and he'll do this. But he's got a ton of footage that is not shown. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. There's a lot of things that people don't show you, but it's happening. Amen. You can look around the world and say, well, everybody's got it together. Amen. That married couple looks so happy, but you don't know that on the way to church they had a fight. And they don't show you all that. And you can't judge because you live your life 24-7. You can't judge it based on a fleeting mirror. You've got to get to the word of God, which is true, 24-7. And you can judge it. Come on, somebody. You cannot judge yourself uh, through impure mediums uh, or biased mediums. Uh, amen. Can I preach to the 21st century? That's fake news in your life. Uh, what you need is the word of God, the only truth. Uh, and that truth will set you free. Oh, somebody praise him. Come on, let's praise him. When we judge ourselves through impure mediums. Or bias mediums, because some people will come by and they'll be a medium in your life and they'll try to reflect back to you and they'll tell you what you should think, how you should act, 
how you should be. You know what? You know, there's some people, and I noticed this when I was single. I, I got around all the single people, and they wanted me to stay single. Uh, but, but for those that want to get married, get around some married folk. They want you to get married because they know how great it is. But you get around some of those people, and they've got a biased viewpoint because they don't know any more than that. And there's other people that they don't live for God. You get around people that don't live for God. I'm not talking about being a witness. I'm talking about you get around and let them influence your life, and they'll start getting you to think that maybe it's dumb that you go to church. You get around bitter people, and they'll start making you bitter about things. What's happening? You're looking at the wrong reflection, and they're saying, well, you got this off, and you need to change this, and maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should tone it down and don't live for God that way, and they'll get around, and they'll start influencing you, and they'll get you to think incorrectly. We must make decisions. Amen. We, we, we must make decisions based on the truth of God's word, the reflection we see when we come. Because here's the, here's the truth about church. Some people think church is just a club. It's not a club. Amen. It's, it's a hospital. Hallelujah. But what the church will always do and what the kingdom of God will always do and what the word of God will always do, what the preaching will always do is it will set forth the ideal of God's word. It will always tell you what you could be. Amen. I preached it a while ago talking about what you ought to be. It will always show forth, uh, amen, the ideal. And it's not to make you feel less than. What it's actually trying to do is saying, uh, amen, this is a possibility through the grace of God. And though you're going through a manifold temptations, uh, there's the manifold grace of God. And you may not be there today but you can get there and it might not be happening right now but if you keep looking at this uh, you can keep making corrections to your life and every time you come to church uh, I'm making corrections uh, amen I heard the word pastor I'm making corrections uh, I went to the altar I'm making corrections uh, amen I don't want to start making decisions uh, based on the wrong reflection uh, I don't want to make decisions based on the wrong reflection I don't want to do things uh, to influence to, 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 because people have influenced me amen I want to do it because I see in the word of God. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Amen. When we start, when we start judging ourselves and we start looking at the reflection that other people have shown forth or biased mediums or impure mediums, we change things that didn't need to be changed. We make decisions that we shouldn't make. We buy things we can't afford to impress people we don't like. Come on. That's why some folks are in debt. Wait for financial February. We're going to come and help you out. You start, you start doing all sorts of things so you can keep up with the Joneses because somehow the Joneses, if there's a Jones here today, we love you. Amen. But, but somehow the Joneses became the status quo. And I want you to know that, that maybe God wants to take you further than Joneses ever went. And you're setting your sights a little low. And that's why you got and get in the word of God. And you're thinking, man, if I could just get to that level, if I could just do this or have this, and somehow that will make me better, you're setting your sights too low. God says, I got so much more for you above that which you can ask or even think. I wish I had somebody that would praise God. Set your affection on things above. Set your eyes on things above. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You gotta, you gotta open up the word of God and you gotta stare in the mirror of God's word and say, Lord, what do you have for me? I wanna know what you, I don't wanna know what my friends have for me. I don't wanna know what society says. I don't wanna know what impure or biased medium says. I don't wanna know what politicians say. I don't wanna know what the climate of this world says. I want to open up the word of God and I want to get a hold of him. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Oh, come on, let's love him. Let's love him. Exodus chapter 38 and 8. The Bible says, and he made the labor of brass and the foot of it of brass 
of the looking glasses of the women of the assembly, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. When the children of Israel came up out of Egypt, the Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians of everything valuable. They got back pay for 430 years of slavery. And everything they took was of value. It was fine white linen. They took with them things that were dyed purple and things that were dyed, dyed scarlet. They took with them gold and jewels and silver. But guess what they also took? One of the things they took from the Egyptians was the looking glasses of the women. A looking glass, amen, is a piece of brass that has been melted down and cast into a circular form. It's highly polished and then it's attached to an ornamental handle. They have found mirrors like this in the ancient ruins of Egypt. And it's interesting that it was the women of Israel that started viewing themselves through the same instrument that the Egyptian women used to view themselves. When they looked at it, they didn't just look at that mirror. They were looking at it knowing we were slaves in Egypt. And when they looked in the mirror, they were seeing their reflection, but they weren't seeing it properly. They were seeing it through the Egyptians' lens. They were seeing it through the looking glass of the Egyptian women. And when God got ready to build a tabernacle, when God got ready to build a labor of water that was for the washing of the priests, that was the washing of the water by the word, when they got together, he said, give me all the looking glasses that you got up out of Egypt. He said, give me that because that reflection's not right. He said, give me that because it's busted and it's broken. He said, give me that looking glass because you're not seeing it properly. You're not seeing yourself properly. You're not seeing your family properly. He said, you better give me that mirror. You better give me that reflection. I want to change it. I want to sanctify it. I want to make it right. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, let's love him. Come on, let's love him. I didn't come to preach it, but I might as well as a side note. Apostolic women are not worldly women. I'm going to preach on this next year. You better believe it. Some people have been wondering if he really believes it. I do. Trust me. I do. We're going to talk about it. Apostolic women aren't worldly women, so don't judge yourself based on a trick mirror. Come on. You ever gone to the fair or a carnival and you get there and it makes you look real skinny even though you're not skinny or it makes you look real fat though you're not fat and it starts to change your image? Amen. I want to tell you, when people go to Instagram, when people go to Hollywood, when people go to the world, they don't understand how Photoshop works. And they start looking around and they go, well, I don't line up with that. And, and well, maybe I could use a little bit on my face. And, you know, I don't have a perfect complexion. And they start adding things and making things up. Why? Because they're looking in the wrong mirror. They're not looking in the mirror of God's word. They're not looking according to the Bible that says you got to serve God with shame facedness. It looks plain to the world, but it ain't plain to God, honey. It's holy to God. It's right before. Somebody give him praise. You ought to be proud, amen, to live for God. You ought to be proud to say, you know what, amen, I gave that up a long time ago, and I put it to the work of God. I put it in the tabernacle. I put it in the labor of water. I put it there, and God's going to sanctify my image, and God's going to sanctify my reflection. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm almost done preaching. 
Come on, you, you can't use Egypt's gauge. You can't use that impure, biased medium of the world that says you ought to do this and you should look like that and you should dress like this. And No, 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 no. You know what you ought to look towards? You ought to look towards the Word of God. You ought to look. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't use the world as your mirror. It's a trick mirror. You get in that, that house of mirrors and you think you're going the right path and then you hit a wall. Some people live like that. They're always turning based on what everybody else thinks, what everybody else says. Amen. The Bible says they're like clouds without water. They're like cisterns that are cracked open. They're unstable in all their ways. They're double-minded. And they're always turning with every wind of doctrine. God doesn't want you to turn with every wind of doctrine. He wants you to go back to the mirror of God's word. It never changes. My Bible says that there's no shadow of turning with God. He doesn't shift. He doesn't change. What he said is what he said. And you can always bank on it. You can know that it's true. Amen. In order to build that labor of water, the people had to sacrifice the Egyptians' looking glass. They had to, they had to surrender to God their secondhand reflection. In order to truly be an apostolic church, we have got, and this is where people, they struggle because they're scared to face themselves. There's something about being afraid to have a little self-reflection and to have a little self-awareness. And so they'd rather just take somebody else's opinion and they, they take that to the bank. Amen. And they don't want to surrender to God their secondhand reflection. And so they think of themselves, whether positively or negatively, it's wrong. It's not right. It's not true. And yet they hold on to it and they think they're the best or they think they're the worst, neither of which are true. One's pride and one's reverse pride. Amen. One's to think higher than oneself. The other's to think lower of oneself. Amen. But my Bible says that every man ought to see themselves as they are. How do you see yourself as you are? You need to get in the mirror of God's word. You need to open it up and you need to trust in what he said. The labor of water was made of brass. It was the brass they collected from the women's looking glasses that they took back from Egypt. They all had to sacrifice their looking glass. They all had to sacrifice their mirrors because their mirrors weren't going to be good enough. Amen. This is a typology that our righteousness is never going to be good enough. And we've got to have the we've got to have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. That is put upon us. Amen. We can say, well, I'm good enough. And God says, no, give that to me and I'll purify it. Give that to me and I'll sanctify it. Give that to me. I'll make it holy. Their reflection had to disappear so that the water could wash the priests. Amen. I want you to know about the labor of water. When they built that, the Bible never gives any dimensions to the labor of water. Every other instrument in the, in the tabernacle had specific dimensions. It was this many cubits by that many cubits. Amen. But when it came to the, to the, to the labor of water, there was no specific height, width, depth, or breadth. Amen. The labor of water, you didn't know how big it was or how small it was we can't replicate it because we don't know the labor of water could be deep or it could be shallow nobody will ever know it could be as big as you need or as small as you need amen but we never know I want you to imagine for a moment the type and shadow of the word of God versus the word of this world the priests come in and they've got fine white linen garments and they bring with them the sacrificial lamb amen 
the Lamb of God, which is to take away the sin of the world. This animal's taken from the flock. It's got to be a perfect animal without spot or blemish. Why? Because Israel had spot. Israel had blemish. Amen. Their reflection was not right. They brought it before, amen, the sacrificial lamb. They brought it in there and they brought it to the altar and they sacrificed it there. Amen. This was what was going to atone, amen, for the people. The priests bring that animal from the outside world into the inner court. And as they stand there, they butcher the animal. Some people, they think about this and they don't, they don't want to talk about this part of the Bible. They butcher the animal. It's a messy job. It got everywhere. The blood of the lamb got on the hands of the priest. The blood of the lamb got on the clothes of the priest. Some people say, well, it doesn't matter, preacher. Yes, it does. It's going to get everywhere. Before it's all said and done, they're going to eat the lamb too. It's going to be outward and it's going to be inward. Amen. He'd slay that animal and the blood would flow out into the holy vessels. And they would place that animal's carcass. Amen. It's flesh just like we do when we repent. And he put it on that brazen altar to be burned. And that priest who walked in... And he was doing the best he could. It was his righteousness as fine white linen. As the Bible would say, the fine white linen of the saints. But it was not enough. He had to have the blood of the lamb upon him. And that priest is now covered in the blood of the lamb. And he's got it on his hands. And he's got it on his garments. And then he walks from that altar going through and repenting. And he goes to the laver of water. And that priest would come and wash himself in that laver of water. What? laver of water the one that was made of polished brass of the looking glasses of the women it never lost its ability to reflect but now as he puts his hand in this laver of water the blood of the sacrificial lamb would mix with the purifying water as Jesus came he came with blood and with water and when you repent and baptize in Jesus name it's blood and it's water and And when you get the Holy Ghost, it's the Spirit of God. The priest would then wash his hands in this pure water. And the blood and the water would mix. They stabbed Jesus in the side. And blood and water flowed out, letting us know that the church that was coming from the side of Jesus as Eve came from the side of Adam. It was not going to be a church. Well, I just accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. That's not in the Bible. But blood and water is in the Bible. And now as that priest is washing in pure water, the blood is swirling around. And that reflection is being refracted not just by the water, but by the blood and when that priest looks down he doesn't see his image as a slave coming up out of Egypt he doesn't look in the reflection and behold it as they would have beheld it when they held those looking glasses of the women of Egypt but when he looks down in that basin of water the water is flowing the water is moving over his reflection what am I preaching that when you get baptized in Jesus name when you repent of your sins when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you come to church that word is moving. That word is moving. The blood is moving. And when you see yourself, it's not the way the world sees you. It's not the way your past sees you. It's the way that God Almighty through the sacrifice sees you. Somebody stand across the building. Lift up your hands. Come on, let's pray. You need a mirror in your life. Not the world's mirror. 
but it's got to be covered by water and by blood. It's got to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. you got to see yourself not as the world sees you, not as you maybe through your inconsistencies and your inadequacies and your deficiencies might have seen yourself, but you've got to see your reflection properly through the blood of the Lamb, the refraction of light through the water against that looking glass that's been made into a labor. Jesus said it this way. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It's that word. No matter what you've done, you can come to church. And you begin to wash it all off. Jesus, I made a mistake. And the devil would have you think you are over and done with. Condemnation comes in. And he'd have you thinking through the Egyptians looking glass. I'm not... I'm not right. I'll never get. I'll never become. But when you get it under the blood, and you get it under the blood, and you start looking at it correctly through the lens of God's Word, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Okay, Jesus, I was walking in the flesh. I made a mistake. But Lord, I see it in your word that, amen, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what I did. I can come there and I can be washed by the water of the word, as Ephesians would say. I can go and I can be clean through the word which Jesus has spoken in that book. And I can wash it all away. And then when I look at my reflection, I don't see what other people used to see. And I don't even see what I used to see but when I see my reflection it's through the reflection of God's word when I come to church and I hear the preaching amen it's God saying hey let's make some corrections here amen because I see better for you when I go to the altar it's God saying look at my word and start making adjustments because I want to bless you like you've never been blessed I want to do something great in your life but you're going to need a mirror to show you it I heard a fictional story a few months ago about a girl that had been verbally and physically abused by her father for her whole childhood. He told her how much he hated her, how ugly her brown eyes were. And every time he would yell at her, he would remind her that she was ugly because of her brown eyes. And as a child and a teenager, she was forced to wear colored contact lenses because her brown eyes were so ugly Everywhere she went, she was not allowed to see her reflection in a mirror or a camera. It was not available at home because she was too ugly to look at. Years later, she became an adult, and after her father died, she continued wearing the colored contact lenses that made her brown eyes blue because she was told that you are ugly because of your brown eyes. She hated herself and never felt worthy she avoided mirrors due to the trauma her father had put her through until one day she lost her contact lenses. She wore sunglasses to cover up her ugly brown eyes so that no one would see how horribly ugly she really was. But then she got curious. She had never really seen how ugly her brown eyes were. Why were they so repulsive to her father? So she went in the bathroom she began to stare in that mirror in disbelief. And her eyes weren't brown. They weren't ugly. She had natural blue eyes. She had spent her whole life 
believing about herself what somebody's reflection had told her. She had spent her whole life through a second-hand opinion, a second-hand mirror, a second-hand reflection until she looked in the mirror for herself. Without the mirror of God's Word, we will believe what the world tells us and declares to us. Without the mirror of God's Word, we will be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Uh, amen. Without the mirror of God's Word, you'll start thinking twice about being apostolic. Without the mirror of God's Word, you'll start second-guessing your convictions. Without the mirror of God's Word, uh, you'll get it in your mind. Uh, amen. That we need to change this and change that. And you'll start emulating somebody else's opinion. Uh, amen. Without the truth of God's Word, you'll believe about yourself something that was never true in the first place without the mirror of God's word you'll start getting something in your mind that isn't true without the truth of God's word you will be looking in somebody else's mirror at somebody else's reflection but God has brought a preacher to this house tonight to say you need to get back to the mirror of God's word and see it through the blood by faith we know the worlds were framed by the word of God and sometimes we need to come to church and come to the altar. And our whole lives, I'm ugly because, I'm terrible because, I've got all these problems because. And God will just hold up a mirror and say, hold up. No, no, no. That's not true. That's not right. I feel the Holy Ghost. You spent 30 years believing something that wasn't even true in the first place. And you've lived out your deficiencies and you project on other people the way you feel about yourself. And it's affected every area of your life and other people's life. But God sent a preacher to this house to hold up the mirror of God's word and say, look, amen, look at what the Lord would say. Look at what the truth of God's word says. Amen, look at what the, he said, our world's framed by the word of God. You come to church and he says, let me reframe that for you. Let me put it on a different perspective for you. You've seen it this way for so long you believed it this way for so long but tonight uh, I want you to sh shift the way you think and, and change the way you think about it because today you're going to see it through my mirror amen I want us to pray I'm done preaching would you lift up your hands come on would you come to the altar when you come to this altar I want you to bring all those trick mirrors and all those secondhand reflections and all that other junk you carried around for years and I want you to lay it down at this altar and say Lord I need your word to speak in my life that's why when you hear the preaching you do it amen because what God is doing is he's saying this is the truth this is the truth it's going to make a better you it's going to make a better Christian it's going to make a better husband it's going to make a better spouse it's going to make a better come on somebody pray Somebody's going to get deliverance right now. Go to that laver of water. Well, preacher, I've just got so many deficiencies. It's deeper than you and I even know. Well, preacher, it's not that big of a deal, but I still I struggle with it. All right, the little foxes spoil the vine. Maybe it's just that right shallowness where you can get in and you can get it taken care of, and he can reflect back to you what is true, and you can go home and make a difference about it. Amen. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. God's given you an image. God's given you a word. Walk in it. Walk in it in the name of Jesus.
Come on, it's time. You get healed once and for all. It's time you let God fix it once and for all. But it's going to be the mirror of his word. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. What's happening? You're staring yourself in the mirror of God's word right now. And he is bringing the best out of you. He is showing you what you can do right now. You say. 